I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 27, 127. Psalm 127. Follow along. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that today, that as we continue to talk about the family, that, Lord, you'll give us the wisdom and the courage to speak that which needs to be said. I pray for receptive hearts to hear your word today. Help us to examine our hearts and our minds so that we can... Uh, uh, develop a house that is glorifying to you. We thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, continue on a series that uh, started out last week with what mothers need. And this week we're going to talk about what children need. Now, we're going to talk, we're going to spend some time on this one. It's probably going to be at least a two, possibly a three-part ser series of sermons. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. These, these verses or these psalms were actually written by King Solomon. And they're essentially talking about life in the home. They're, uh, Psalm 127 is talking about uh, when you don't have children to where you get to children. And then 128 is when you have children and then when you're empty nesters. And uh, which most of us will, will get to in some time in our lives. The sermons that I'm going to preach, I recognize some of you might be saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have children. There's a lot that's going to apply to you if you don't have children. Or might, you might be saying, well, I'm, at the, I, I, I'm, at the, I'm in the empty nester phase and I, I, I don't have children at home right now. It doesn't matter. Some of this that we're going to talk about today and the next few weeks do apply to you. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that in, in, in the next few weeks. Uh, what I, I am going to be making some blunt statements during uh, this time because I am extremely concerned about the family and the attack that's been happening on the family, especially in the last eight years. I'm going to make some comments that will offend some of you. I am going to make some comments that might make you feel uncomfortable. And I may unintentionally even make some comments that might be hurtful. That's not my intent. My intent is just to bring forth God's word and to allow it to soak into your lives so that you can bring it into your home as well. I recognize that there are couples that do not or cannot have children. I recognize that there are couples who have raised their children and their children have left the faith. I recognize there are couples who have gone through divorce and the pain associated with that. 
And I recognize there are couples who are considering divorce. And uh, so I'm, like I said, I will be talking about those things in the next few weeks. However, I feel that it is a sermon that must be preached. And the reason why I say that is you look at what's happening in Florida right now. And you look at that bill that was passed in the Florida legislators a couple months ago that has been dubbed the don't say gay bill. When actually what it was, it was entitled parents rights in education bill. The purpose of that bill was essentially to say to the school system, no, you cannot indoctrinate our kindergarten, first, second, and third grade graders. You, they're, they're off limits. You cannot have them. And, uh, and uh, the, the community that was there, uh, the gay community, just went nuts on that, which I don't understand why, because it is actually a bill that doesn't even, the word gay or homosexual isn't even in there. And yet they went nuts over that. And the reason is, is primarily because they know, as any educator know, that the first four, five, six years in the, in the life of a child is so important. It's the formative years of the children. And they know that if you can educate them young, then if, when they get old, they're less likely to go against that. They, so anyway, here are some statements that I want us to consider as we prepare for this sermon. Most children today know more about video games than they know about Jesus Christ. Peer love and approval is more important to them than the love for Jesus Christ. Service to themselves is before others is not considered. In other words, they, need, they desire to have themselves served before they serve other people. 80% of the youth today will reject the faith. They will call themselves Christians, but yet they determine that church is not important to their downfall, by the way. There will be no fruit of Christianity that will be found in them. They won't attend church. They, they will accept the worldview of Christianity, but not the biblical view. Let's be quite honest, many will be deceived with eternal consequences. That's why it's, I think it's so important that we bring some reality and, and not neglect what's happening in our society. I believe that the major seismic shift happened in the 1960s. And then it continued to progress and it would go up and down and up and down and up and down. And you saw the, 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 the major shift that happened around eight or nine years ago when the Supreme Court made their decision on homosexual marriage. And the White House flashed a rainbow colors on its exterior. Since then, there has been a concerted attack on the family and with a desire for a redefinition of what the family actually is. 
And then two years ago, when we had the uh, presidential elections, you saw another major shift from the redefinition of the family to this is what you have to believe, and if you don't believe this, your life will be destroyed. Where the rise of wokeness and censorship started in the United States to where uh, if you say the wrong thing on Facebook or Twitter, you'll go into Facebook jail. Where individuals are actually going way back into your, your Facebook posts trying to find something to bring up that maybe you said 20 years ago and they're holding that against you. And, and the purpose is not to punish you. The purpose is to bring fear into the community. In the next few weeks, I, <clears throat> I believe we're going to laugh. I believe we're going to cry. I also believe that we're going to be offended. But I also believe that we're going to be energized. And that's my desire. My desire is really to energize you. So let's look at Psalm 127. Now, Psalm 127 was written by Solomon. Considered the wisest man that ever lived. He did some pretty weird things. But he wrote Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. Now, if you put both of those together, here's what these two psalms pretty much produce. A life without children. When the children come... Then you go to Psalm 128 that says, when you're raising your children, and then Psalm 128 is the empty nest years. And that's where I'm at. We're in the empty nester years. And so this week, we're just going to focus on Psalm 127. Next week, we're going to focus on Psalm 128. We're eventually probably going to go into Luke, I believe it's Luke chapter 19, because I do want to address the issue of when my children go astray. How should we handle that as parents? Because I believe if I were to sit down with most of you today, almost every one of you say I have at least one child that has left the faith or is not living a life that is consistent with what I brought them up with. So we're going to talk about that as well eventually. And then we're going to conclude the sermon. Here we go, guys. This series is finally one for us. Okay, Father's Day is going to come. And we're going to preach a sermon entitled, essentially, What Men Need. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest what men need. I'm not going to share what society says, because society has been attacking manhood for quite a long time. But we're going to be looking at what men need in the home, from their wives, from society, and from their children. Eventually that's going to come up as well. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 127. Let's start at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is, is wasted, Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries with centuries will do no good. So what is Solomon saying? He said what children need is essentially is a firm foundation in the Lord. And it actually starts before you get married. It starts when you start developing the home in which you're, you're living in. The first and most important step in raising godly children is establishing a solid and firm foundation even before the children are born. Hear me on this one. I have said it many times, that when I have a couple that comes into my office, that I can pretty much predict 
how successful their marriage will be. 80% of it is based upon what happens before they say, I do. Because that's the foundations that they're bringing into the home. So if they, if they get married for uh, various reasons, I'm pregnant or uh, we just, I'm lonely or, you know, this is a good financial arrangement because I'm marrying up in the world, you know, those types of things, you, it's not the right foundation for the actual marriage. So what should the foundation be? The foundation should actually be Jesus Christ. It boils down to the cornerstone of your family must be Jesus. Now, what's a cornerstone? In ancient times, when they were building something, they would lay what's called the cornerstone. It's the first stone that is laid. And it had to be perfect. Because if it was perfect or a weak stone, the building might, might uh, crumble or will be off-centered or whatever. So they developed what's called a cornerstone. Now, I, Mount Tabor's got a cornerstone. In today's society, the cornerstone is more uh, of a decoration. If you go over to, uh, to the sanctuary site, walk outside, you'll turn around, and there will be a plaque, um, kind of a cement-type plaque, on the building. It says Mount Tabor built in, uh, was it 1993 or whatever it was. That's the cornerstone. I, I think we got one here, don't we? Same thing out here? Uh, just that I see that all the time. But that's the cornerstone. It's more decoration now, but back then it was essential. Because if that was a weak stone, by the time you built the entire structure, it would fall down. So the cornerstone of our lives must be Jesus Christ, must be God. Because what he's saying is, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So what Solomon is saying is make sure the foundations of your family is Jesus. That's what he's saying. Not anything else but Jesus. Let that be the foundation. A few years ago, families were asked, and I'm glad that this isn't around anymore. I'm just, I'm, this is one thing I'm glad they got rid of. But we were supposed to go around and say, what is the purpose statement of your family? Does anybody remember something like that going around? Good. I'm glad you don't remember it. Because I'm sitting here go, this is nuts. What's the purpose statement of your family? My family exists so that we can do whatever. My family exists for this. You know, that, that was the purpose statement of, of the family. Essentially, what if you were to make a purpose statement, it should be to make full-functioning disciples of Jesus Christ that will impact others in the world. That's the purpose of the family, in, in my opinion. That would have been the cornerstone in which you raise your kids. The cornerstone in which you get married. The cornerstone of your spouse. The cornerstone of what you try to establish in your home. So the question now raises is, how do I build a firm foundation? Well, it actually starts before you say, I do. It actually starts when, when, when you're young, when you give your life to Jesus. I mean, you start developing that really strong foundation. But, but this was, I, I got glare in my eyes, so I got to turn around real quickly here. How do I build a firm foundation? I need to trust the Lord and know the promises of God are sure. That's hard. Because society says you got to do this, and, but the Bible says do this. Well, do what the Bible says. Trust Him. Trust Him. We need to abide in God's Word. 
Abiding in God's word is I read it and I apply it. Okay? If the Bible says to do this, then I do this. If the Bible says don't do this, then I don't do this. I need to apply God's word to our lives. I need to believe it, live it, trust it, apply it, and pray according to God's word. And then lastly is, is and, and last, we need to have faith in Jesus Christ and his word. That's how you develop that foundation where that foundation of God's word is in your home and in your life, because it primarily needs to be in your life that eventually goes into, um, into the home. So that's the primary foundation of the cornerstone. And then Solomon comes out and says this. He says, unless the Lord protects a city, guarding with sentries will do no good. So it's talking about God's blessing that there needs to be God's blessing upon the, the home and upon, upon the household. But it also means this. The home must be protected. The home must be protected. Here we go. One of my favorite verses is this. It actually comes from Song of Solomon. I never realized this until I, I took a class in Song of Solomon. I go, I never saw this before. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 8. We have a little sister. She has no breasts, which means she has not gone through puberty yet. What, what shall we do for our sister on the day that she's spoken for? So she hasn't gone through puberty, but yet we're looking forward to the day in which she is betrothed or to be given away. Got that? If she is a wall, we will build on her a battlement of silver. If she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. So what Solomon is saying in Song of Solomon is this. One of the responsibilities of you as a parent is to protect your home from anything that will destroy your family and also your godly witness. Got that? So we protect our, our, our home through prayer where you're praying for God's protection. You protect your home by not allowing things in your home that are ungodly. Now, this little thing here is powerful. You know that? This has more power, more memory, than when in the 1960s when we sent the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the Apollo missions to the moon. You know that? I got more information on this than what they sent to the moon. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? So yesterday I was up in Bryan, Ohio at a wonderful, magnificent, exciting recital. <coughs> and I knew, and we went through some rain, so I popped it up to see if Salina was going to get any rain. And then I saw that the... That it, uh, a storm popped up by St. Mary's and killed the storm that was coming to Salina. Isn't that amazing? When, 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 when the tornadoes come through, I'm, I'll pop it up and I'll see where, where it possibly could be. It's just an amazing thing. It's also a very dangerous thing. I have some statistics that I put on the back of your bulletins or your, of your notes. They be, should be extremely sobering to you. The average age in which children start viewing pornography is age 11. That's the average age. 
that means you got some older and you got some younger. 93% of boys and 63% of girls have seen ex ex sexually explicit content before the age of 18. 70% of boys have met, spent more than 30 minutes searching for porn on the, online. 35% of boys have reached have searched for porn more than 10 times. It ain't going to happen to me. Really? Really? 93%. I bet you I could sit down here right now and go to our teenager and say, okay, let, let's talk. On the back of your bulletin, I also put four, um, four of the best filtering services uh, that there are on the Internet. I, f I find it shameful and despicable the fact that we have to pay for those things to protect our homes. But it's so prevalent out there. We haven't even begun to see. Well, we, we've begun to see it. We're, we're, we're seeing the results of it. And, 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 and you know, our, our deputies are going to really see more and more of this, I think. 56% of all marriages will dissolve. 56% of marriages that are dissolving, pornography is part of the equation. If Jesus is the foundation of my home, then I need to protect my home. That means, parents, that you know what your kids are looking at on their phone. You know what they're looking at on their computer. Because it isn't because of the fact you don't, you, you don't want to have a fight with him. Or you want to have a fight with him. It's because you want to protect him and her for the mate in which they're going to be betrothed to. Protect them. And, and if you walk into the home, parents, and, and I'm not talking about the computer, but you're, you walk and you see your kids seeing some of the garbage that's on TV right now that's not appropriate for your home, you have every right to go up there and turn that TV off. Why? Number one, it's my home, it's God's home, and number two is I'm preparing you for something greater. I did it a lot. I, I don't have cable here because I'm too cheap. But I did that a lot with my kids. When we were in Finley, you had to have cable because we were too far away to get any other. So we, we got cable. And I got the cheapest one out there. But um, I, I walked downstairs. I mean, the TV was right there. I, I turned it off. You're not going to watch that garbage here. No way you're going to watch that garbage. I made sure that all the TVs were uh, visible so I could see what they were doing at all time. I never allowed any TVs into the room by themselves. And when they finally started getting their computers, the computer was open so I could, at a place that I could see exactly what they do. I checked the, the history, and if I saw a gap in the history, that told me quite a bit that something was going on. I also put a filter on there, X3 watch, and yes, I got the reports.
it is our job and our responsibility as parents to be the parent and to protect our kids. And I don't care what the wokeness says. You are the parent. Fortunately, we're seeing a lot of parents that are now starting to stand up and they're starting to say, this is not to be taught to my kids and whatever else in schools, and you're starting to see that as well, so that's good. But it's a fight. It's a fight. So we, we, we need to protect our homes. We need to not allow them into our homes. You know what? If you, had, if you had a robber that was coming into your home with a gun that was going to destroy your family, you would do all you can to get that robber and to subdue him and possibly kill him and get him out of your home. That's exactly what you do. But yet when it comes to some of the garbage that we allow into our homes, we say, well, that's their choice. Really? It's destroying them. It's destroying them. Um, a number of years ago, my son and I, we used to like to play Call, Call of Duty. Who knows what Call of Duty is? Come on, be honest. Y'all right, some of you are honest. And when they first came out with Call of Duty, it was pretty good. I mean, you did this and this, but everyone continually to progress to be worse and worse and worse. Worse and worse and worse. And we got to, I think, believe it was Call of Duty 4, and, and we bought it for Christmas. Didn't know anything about it. We went, we bought it, we put it into the machine. We started playing it. And I thought, this is garbage. I mean, every other word was this, every word was this, and I found, I found, we turned it off. And I go, okay, I, let me see if I can see some way to um, filter this. We couldn't filter it. And so finally I said, this $45 went right into the trash. We're not going to have that here. Ain't going to happen. Then a kid from my last church found out that we, uh, we had Call of Duty 4 and we were talking about video games. He turned around and goes, well, you got this in your home. And I looked at him and said, no, we don't. I said, we saw what it was and we got rid of it. Okay. So we need to protect the home. We also need not to forget the supernatural protection of God. Because God does not want anyone to perish. God wants everyone to come in saving knowledge of him. That's his desire. Okay. Uh, the next one is, the home must be instilled with godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Verse 2 says, it, it is unless you, it is useless for you to work so hard. Let me say this again. It is useless for you to work so hard from early in the morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for the God gives rest to his loved ones. And what Solomon is saying is, is there are some things more important than, earning, than, than getting rich. There are times you need to stop and you need to be with your family. You can get up in the morning and at night, and I know we're in the farming season right now. I understand we're in the farming season. I know that. When you're in your casket, or you are uh, getting close to your casket, I, I've never heard anyone ever say, I wish I would have spent more time in the tractor. Or I wish I would have spent more time at work. I've never heard that. Never. So that's where godly wisdom comes into play. There, there is vanity... When, when we are relying upon human lazy, uh, labor, uh, reasoning, and, and wisdom. 
home must be instilled with, with godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. That's where these walks with your children are so important. A number of you went on a date last night, I saw on Facebook. Daddy-daughter date. You want my opinion of that? Yes, that was great. She'll never forget that. She'll never forget that. Jeremiah 8, 9 says, The wise man shall be put to shame, and they shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of God. So what wisdom is in them? Okay. Now the children come. All right? I've spent a lot of time on the foundation, because the foundation has to be Jesus Christ. That has to be the foundation of your home. Now children start coming in, and they come into a good foundation. Back up. What if I came to Christ later in life? What if I have not had a firm foundation? You can still put that foundation in, it just takes a lot more work. Do you know it's, it's much easier to avoid addiction than it is to get rid of an addiction? Do you know that it's much easier to establish a foundation than it is to create a foundation? How many of you ever done any uh, remodeling work? You know what I mean. You've done remodeling work. You've got to tear everything out and then put everything back in. A lot of people, what they do is they just destroy the building and start all over again. So, so but you, you can't destroy the building. You have to do the remodeling. It just takes a lot more. That's why I'm just saying, spending time on this. It's easier to establish a foundation now than later on. But you can still do it later on. It just takes some remodeling. Okay, so now the children come. Uh, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. Okay. Now, it says children are a gift. You have a baby. Uh, the Hebrew word for gift actually means someone else owns it and gives it to you for you to be a steward of. Got that? So, you are, with your children, you are a steward of the gift that God has given to you. These godly gifts that are given to you in your children. So treat them that way. Treat them as a gift of God that was brought to you into, um, into, um, uh, 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 dyslexia just kicked in. Uh, that's given to you for a period of time. They are a gift. Now, they are also a fruit. Look, you say, the word fruit's not here. It is, but it depends on the translation. If you go to a literal translation, uh, the NIV does not have the word fruit here, but a literal translation would say, Behold, sons, an inheritance of Yahweh, the fruit of the womb, a reward. That's literally what the Hebrew would say. Behold, sons, an inheritance of Yahweh, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So the word fruit's there. Now, here's the key about fruit. Fruit just doesn't happen, does it? Does it? So I'm going up to Brian. I see all these tractors in the field. You know, they're all planting yesterday and everything else still started raining. Okay. Now, here's the key, right? The corn just happens. Right? It, 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 this is the time of year you plant. You don't need to plant. The corn is just going to happen. Right? In the fall time of the year, the corn is going to be there. It's going to pick itself, and you're going to, it's going to put itself in the bin, right? Is that what happens? 
or the apples are now, uh, the, the tree, trees are now flowering, and, <clears throat> and so the apples are going to come, and this fall you're going to have a 10-pound red delicious apple that's going to happen, and it's going to be perfect, and no one did anything, it just happened. No. It takes a lot of work. See, they don't talk about that much when the child is born. You just like to have that baby and that goo and everything else there. But you have to cultivate those children. You have to cultivate them. Cultivate them. It takes work. We don't, we don't cultivate like we used to, you know? I miss those days. Being on the tractor, 20 hours, boring as boring when you're cultivating the corn. You got the... the turning up the soil, getting rid of the weeds and everything else, and it's just, it's a constant, you got to do it. That's the same thing with children. It's a constant, you got to do it, you got to get out there to get the weeds out, you got to constantly work on, you got to get the bugs and the pests and everything out of the lives of the children, you got to talk to them, you got to share with them, you got to, hey, this is what Jesus is all about, you got to spend that time with them, talk to the Lord about them, because you got to understand that you are raising the next husband and wife for someone else. So you've got to cultivate. Children are a joy. I had hair before my kids were born. I'll admit that. When my son finally graduated, I, I, I said I was going to dance on the table. Um, ben, I don't know if Ben saw this or not, but throughout junior high, I had to meet my son at his locker every day so he would get his homework home. One day he looked at me and says, this is embarrassing. I looked at him and said, good. I never thought about it. I should have wore a dress one, one day. I, a miniskirt. Wouldn't that have been something, Ben? You had my son, didn't you? Yeah. He went, yeah. So I, me showing up like that, really to embarrass him. But it, it, they are a joy. I still remember son I finally got my son you know I gave him a football the first day and he got a touchdown you know my son they are a joy but they're also a reward oh I'm sorry um, they're they are um, uh, an arrow what does it mean by an arrow okay an arrow is something that you have to make so it'll go straight. You, you, know, you have to constantly work on it for it to be able to go straight. But the interesting thing about an arrow is the arrow is no use if it's in the quiver. Quiver is where the, the, all the arrows have to. What do you have to do with an arrow? You've got to let it go. You young parents... One of the hardest things you can do is to let your children go. And I'm not talking about them as babies. Because you are raising the next husband and, and wife for the next generation. We were talking about that in the Sunday school office today. And, and I said, you know, when, and guys, you know what I'm talking about, those who've had to do this. I said, what I remember most about the wedding is when I, I, I took my daughter and I danced with her at that father-daughter dance. And I said, it was not a type of dance. I grabbed her and I pushed her into my, and I was trying to squeeze all the love I have for, for her as, as she's getting ready to go with him. You know, I'm getting all ready. 
I said, I just wanted her to know how much I loved her. And I said, and I bawled my head off. I was crying. I bet 20 gallons of tears came out of my eyes. And I was trying to, oh, I just want to let you know how much I love you. But I had to let her go. And there will come a time where your arrow will have to go. And hopefully they have a foundation in Jesus Christ that started all the way back before they were born. Now you think I'm talking just to the adults here. I know we've got some youth in here too, but I want to say this to the youth. I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. Because someday you'll have to establish the foundation of your home. Someday, Lord willing, you might have that joy. Someday, you're going to have to let him go. And trust me, I know your parents say time goes so fast, but it does. I know you're saying, but trust me. Charles Spurgeon made a comment. And I'll close on this. He says, I remember a great man coming into my house at Witham and seeing all my children standing in order of their age and stature. And he said, these, these are they that make a rich man poor. He was looking at the fact how much it costs to raise them. But he straight received this answer. Nay, my Lord. These are they that make a poor man rich. For there is not one of these whom we would part for all of your wealth. Let's pray. Father, we've talked about some hard things today. I pray that, Lord, that uh, we will see the importance of establishing a firm foundation, a foundation of you. Maybe there's somebody here that does not have that foundation. Lord, I pray that you work in their lives and help them to, uh, to remodel their home so that the foundation is you. Guide us today, O oh Lord. Blessing be upon each and every person here. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. If anyone would like to have prayer during the final song, the elders will be up here to pray for whoever, for whatever reason. They're just here to pray for you. Stand with us. We're going to close with forever.